and the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits statewide to strengthen Maine communities through grants and scholarships on the web at maincf.org. It's 10.01 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experiences, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, living in rural Maine has plenty of rewards and a few challenges. One of those is how to get around if you don't have a car. Minimal bus service, some state-supported rides, and lots of volunteers fill in some of those gaps. And this morning, we're going to talk about um, rural transportation and how we might strengthen um, that in our in our um, local area. Um, uh, on this morning's show, we have some wonderful guests, including that wonderful voice that you just heard, Jim Fisher. Jim is the host of Common Health, but he's also um, a transportation planner with the ha- Hancock County Planning Commission. Welcome, Jim. Good morning. Glad to have you with us. And um, he's joined by Joe Cooper of Friends in Action. Um, we'll learn more about Friends in Action in just a minute, but glad you could be with us, Joe. Thank you, Ron. Um, Joe, with Joe is is also Michael Reisman. Michael is with the Beth C. Wright Cancer Resource Center um, based in Ellsworth, but serving uh, both uh, Hancock and Washington counties. Welcome to you, Michael. Uh, Good to be here, Ron. And Elsie Flemings. Elsie is um, a former state legislator and now um, kind of directs communications with Healthy Acadia, which um, um, provides health promotion services throughout um, the region. Welcome to you, Elsie. Good morning. Great to be here. So thanks so much for all of you uh, coming in. Perhaps each of you could um, summarize your organization a little bit and how you um, relate to this notion of rural transportation. Um, some of you are, are kind of coordinating some things. Some of you are providing services. Um, and so we'll, we'll Start with Elsie and just kind of get a sense of what, what do your organizations provide in terms of thinking about rural transportation. Elsie? Thank you, Ron. Good morning. Uh, Healthy Acadia is a community health coalition. We serve Hancock and Washington counties, uh, and we work with hundreds of partners and volunteers to uh, build vibrant communities and to make it easier for all people to lead healthier lives. Uh, We do that in a number of ways, including connecting people with health services, providing education and awareness raising, uh, building healthier environments, environments that support Uh, people's health uh, and working on systems and policies to bring about sustainable, lasting health improvement. Uh, And so we have a lot of different initiative areas. uh, And one of those is 
uh, as I mentioned, connecting people with health services, which takes on a lot of forms, but one of those forms very much in our rural area is thinking about transportation, how to help people get to where they need to go uh, to be able to support their own health, the health of their families and loved ones. Uh, and we recently completed a community health planning process with uh, many, many partners across the region, uh, and access to transportation rose to the top uh, from community members who said this is a really critical issue uh, for our communities uh, when we think about what we want to work on in order to build healthier communities. And so uh, we've been fortunate to be able to put some energy and attention to uh, working on this issue of transportation uh, and the this uh, a transportation summit that we recently convened that we'll be talking more about was one of those, uh, one project uh, when we're thinking about uh, improving access to transportation for health uh, as well as for uh, economic and social well-being. Mm, thanks, Elsie. Um, and, and Jim, I know um, as, a, as host of Common Health, um, this uh, might be a topic that uh, would be more akin to your work, but and you've dealt with transportation, but how do you come at it as a professional? What's your role with Hancock County Planning Commission and transportation? Well, good morning, Ron, and I'm shocked that this is not common health. I seem to have walked into the wrong studio. Um, <laughs> I, Hancock County Planning Commission is, is a long-range planning institution. Our goal is to help the 37 towns in Hancock County to build healthy, sustainable communities. And when we don't get it right, uh, we, we run into sort of structural problems. And so if we build our houses way out in remote rural areas and we don't have transportation systems that work, we become very dependent on individual automobile. And what we're seeing in Hancock County, and we're kind of on the cutting edge of the nation and that we're getting very old. In fact, I was looking at population projections uh, for 2030, which is going out a little bit. It's always risky to project that far. But if the projections hold true, then our largest age group is going to be age 70 to 75. We'll have more people in that age than any other age. And at some point, you have to give up driving. Uh, your eyes don't work as well, your reaction time, your, you've got back or leg troubles. And, and that's what we're confronting. We've built a community, we built a county around the private automobile. And uh, we won't have a population that can use private automobiles in that way. In addition to that, we built it around fossil fuels, which are also, we passed peak oil, and despite the, the boom in fracking of oil and gas, we're confronting a situation where certainly gasoline prices are going to rise quickly and compete with home heating oil and possibly the decision of how much food we grow just to fuel our cars. And uh, so we've made some mistakes, and, and the Planning Commission is focused on trying to think long-range. How are we going to build our communities in a way that's sustainable? Now, given that we have a very rural, dispersed population that's likely to decline over the next 15 years and age rapidly, we need to come up with solutions that let people get services, uh, allow people to reach work if they need it, and also to sustain our tourism industry. So we've got all these different needs for transportation that the Planning Commission is trying to help the towns address if we're going to sustain our economies. My own personal interest is public health, and I, you know, everything I do uh, boils down to what does this mean for health? Mm. So if mm. we build this kind of housing settlement, if we build this kind of transportation network, if we invest in uh, uh, these environmental changes, what does it mean for health? And uh, so 
and transportation's a natural in that regard. How do we allow people to get healthy by transportation? That's walking and biking. And how do we also get people to needed health services? So I, again, I know that you've been um, uh, at the forefront of urging when people um, in in towns or at the state level build new roads or improve roads. You've said, well, make sure that people can walk along those roads. Oh, it's and, astounding. I, I, I had a request from Bangor yesterday because I do uh, safe routes to school programs, bicycle pedestrian programs for all of northeastern Maine. And this was a, a, a well-developed neighborhood area with a school right across the street. And the family moved there because they wanted to be near the school. But when you look at the map, you realize that each of the neighborhoods is isolated. You can't walk from one neighborhood to the other without going out to a highway where there's no shoulder. Mm. And you can't cross the highway because there's too much traffic. So even she's less than a half a mile from the school but has to drive because she can't get across the roads. Mm. It's just bad design. Mm. Well, let's go now to Joe Cooper. Yeah. Joe um, is with uh, Friends in Action, um, uh, kind of a long um, uh, effort to, to develop an organization that is really multifaceted. And I'd like Joe to describe Friends in Action now, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about um, wh- where it came from, too. But wh- where are you now, Joe? Uh, Well, Friends in Action uh, was founded in 2003 to uh, um, support older uh, adults in Hancock County and um, disabled adults. And one of the primary focuses of that support has always been transportation. Um, uh, Because our mission is to help people stay independent um, and to live, uh, you know, the way they want to with dignity and a strong quality of life. Um, health is obviously an essential part of having a strong quality of life and transportation or the lack thereof can be a um, major barrier um, to being able to access um, all the services that you need particularly health services we do, we have always focused on the individual and uh, and really tried to um, match with community volunteers to support the individual um, and that is what we do with transportation. We really look at uh, requests, which can be for all kinds of destinations. We don't limit it to medical, but a lot of it is for medical uh, rides um, to make sure that we um, get people so they can continue to live the lives that they've lived in the past. So it's a very much a uh, focused on where people are and on older adults. Mm. And recently, um, you've kind of expanded um, to have an actual senior center in the city of Ellsworth. Well, we've realized as we did transportation that we met so many people who were very lonely and isolated. Um, the ride itself was a social event, and um, somebody cared enough to come and spend time with them. All of our volunteers are true volunteers who don't get any reimbursement. They're really giving of their time and their vehicle and their mileage. Um, So it meant a lot to the individual, but we also realized that an essential part of health is um, being with other people and that it really does make um, there. It's a it's a quantifiable outcome that people who are with other people do better um, physically, mentally. So we've started some social programs, including uh, coffee morning. We do exercise programs, uh, computer programs. And the idea is to keep people active and involved in the community. 
and we've partnered we're partnering with the city of Ellsworth and the Down East Family YMCA to make that happen in the, what is a former school facility. Great. And uh, Jim it just strikes me as though Ellsworth is making some really important moves to to um, provide um, additional uh, senior housing and it's kind of a hub for some of those activities so that people at least are beginning to have an alternative of where they live and how they uh, get some of these services. Well, Ellsworth's the logical place for that to happen in Hancock County, though certainly all of our service centers, which include Blue Hill, Bucksport, Bar Harbor, Southwest Harbor, are also seeing the <clears throat> the effect of, of aging. And I, 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 if you look at the population structure at this point, it's, I think, 18% of households are nuclear families with children. It's a small percentage. What we're going to have in the future is an ever larger percentage of our population can be individuals or couples who are retired. They don't want a big house. They can't afford it. And, and so as we, as we age, we need to reconfigure where we live. And it will be so much easier to help people if the market's allowed to respond in a way. If we don't get in the way of the market, creating those kinds of housing structures and congregate living arrangements that will help people who are aging. And that'll solve a lot of our transportation trouble on the way. Well, let's go n- now to um, uh, uh, Michael Reisman. Michael, you're with the Beth C. Wright Cancer Resource Center, and it's it's a, a narrower slice, but a very um, uh, important slice of the larger population. And describe your organization and then how it relates to this notion of transportation. Well, uh, we serve Hancock and Washington counties, too. The, our center is located in Ellsworth. And our mission is to offer hope, knowledge, and support for people living with cancer and also um, for their families, friends, and caregivers. Uh, Beth Wright, our namesake, uh, was diagnosed with cancer and breast cancer in 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 (laughs) 1996 Uh at the age of 24. Mm -hmm. And she went out to see what resources were available for her in the community, and she found few. She started a support group group. she also started her own foundation just shortly before she passed away that was carried on by her family and friends. And then the Beth Wright uh, Center was uh, created in 2004. So uh, we're dealing with uh, the issues uh, of, uh, that people who are affected by cancer are facing every day. We do programs at our center, support groups, informational programs. Uh, the center itself is a place where people can come and get information and share information. We have people who come in to to get help and after they get some help they're able to offer help to others so it, it's i think it's a very warm and uh, inspirational place we also are doing more and more outreach to washington county and and other points in hancock county because we realize that people can't travel uh 50 or 60 miles to even get to ellsworth but one of the issues we saw early on in 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 that i learned about when when i first was hired i didn't know that much about cancer so i'm I'm learning i've learned a lot in the last 10 years but um if you have radiation treatment the the place you have to go for radiation treatment now is brewer and so people in if you live in Calais, that's a hundred mile trip one way so we've and and radiation treatment entails usually five days a week for anywhere from four to eight weeks that that's the regimen so that's a, a major issue as far as, first, just the cost of even just paying for gas. I mean, we do, uh, if you tr- live in Calais and you're going five days a week to radiation treatment, that's 1,000 miles a week. If you get 25 miles a gallon on uh, your 
you you're getting 40 gallons a week if you're paying 350 to four dollars a gallon it's anywhere from 140 dollars to uh, 160 dollars a week for gas so you know there's a basic just out-of-pocket cost that are is isn't you even if you have excellent insurance is not going to be covered so one of the things we've been trying to do is help with some of the financial assistance to help with gas reimbursements in the last few years other individuals and businesses and organizations are also helping out chuck and belinda lawrence who own Tradewinds market donate a hundred thousand dollars a year uh, through uh, by give, offering one cent for every gallon of gas that they that they sell at their different stores that they've donated to the cancer center in Brewer, and that's being distributed to people. So, so that's one way, one issue that we see trans, uh, transportation. Another thing is sometimes people don't have rides, and so there are some volunteer. The American Cancer Society has a program, Road to Recovery, where they recruit volunteers to help people to drive to uh, appointments to these uh, treatments. We work also with uh, Friends in Action, who's actually the Hancock County coordinator for Road to Recovery. So there's that part of actually helping people get rides. And and then there's, a, I, th- I think we try and create awareness about issues of transportation as far as we, we try and see if there might be a, the ability for people to carpool. We, we have talked with uh, the Cancer Center about scheduling uh, people in the same area at the same time, type of things like that. So, and previous to working at, at uh, Beth Wright Center, I worked at Island Connections on MDI. So I, I'm, for the last 14 years, or mm. actually now it's 16 years, I've been, I think about transportation a lot. Uh, like I was telling Elsie, one of my, I had four children and stepchildren going to high school and MDI high school at the same time. And I couldn't even get them to to take the same car, you know, more than once or twice. So, it's a it's a it can be a frustrating thing, but it's a challenge that I think we all need to deal mm. with. Well, Elsie, maybe you could um, kind of lead off in terms of thinking about a summit. Um, um, we ha- have um, four kind of uh, organizational representatives today. There are probably 50 organizations in the two counties that deal with these kinds of issues every day. And your idea was to bring them together and, and talk about um, what are some of the common problems and what are some, some of the solutions. Tell us a little bit more about how you created the summit. Why? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so we just held a transportation, Down East Acadia Transportation Summit in Machias uh, two days ago on November 6th. And it was a culmination of work over the past year uh, coming out of a Down East Acadia transportation team that uh, we convened uh, starting a little over a year ago. Uh, again, that came grew out of our community health planning process where uh, we identified transportation access as a primary need. And so uh, Healthy Acadia and partners uh, worked together to convene uh, a transportation team uh, and to include interested community members, organizations, partners, uh, in Hancock and Washington counties. So um, all Michael and Joe and Jim have been very much part of that team and their organizations uh, have been very much a part of that, uh, as well as dozens of other organizations who've become involved in that team. Uh, and we've done a number of things over the last year, including uh, planning and coordinating this summit. Uh, so as you said, Ron, 
the summit was some a way that we saw to really bring a lot of folks together uh, beyond the team structure and to uh, provide information, uh, to provide expertise and, and experience uh, from a number of panelists and a number of different uh, c- c- coming at the transportation issue from a number of different perspectives uh, to, again, provide information, uh, to raise awareness about different issues, and then also to provide a forum for participants to really think about what kinds of actions we all can take together uh, regionally or in small communities, uh, you know, big, big actions, small actions, but coming together to really think about creative solutions to our transportation challenges. Uh, so it was a full day, uh, very engaged. Uh, we had about 80 folks uh, participate. We had three panels, um, and the panels uh, covered a range of topics. So the first panel looked specifically at volunteer driver systems. Uh, so we had some really great perspectives and experience um, at you know sort of very small to, lar- to larger regional uh, volunteer driver systems. Uh, Joe was one of the experts on that panel, sharing Friends in Action's experience. Uh, then we had a panel on uh, public transportation systems, uh, so thinking about the what we you know think of as buses and and other sort of public transportation systems, uh, and but also in in that in that context, thinking a little bit creatively, one of the panelists talked about how even with transit systems, you're not going to see in rural areas something, you know, anything like you see in urban areas. So it'll, you know, anything that we're thinking about in rural areas will uh, look a little bit like the transit that we think of in, in urban areas, but will be a little different and will be a little unique to meet the challenges of, of uh, our rural context. Uh, and then our final panel was uh, exploring creative solutions. So thinking a little outside of the box, uh, bringing in uh, experts and, and folks who've worked on really creative and different kinds of ideas of how to how to deal with transportation access. And so um, those, so we had a lot of discussion at each panel, uh, a variety of panelists, and then we closed the day with uh, breakout sessions and brainstorming uh, so that participants could really think about what they'd heard and talked about throughout the day and start to think about next steps and, and what we might be able to do moving forward. Uh, and we at the transportation team and other partners uh, throughout at the conference are excited to continue to build off of that, to take all of the amazing ideas and, and thinking that came out of that summit and to move forward on on opportunities for action to really make a difference in our communities. Great. I want to go back to, and I full disclosure, Elsie uh, and, and others asked me to facilitate this day-long session. So <laughs> And Ron uh, did an excellent job <laughs> no, I wasn't making, looking for that, making but the summit happen, but we were very grateful for your I want to go back to um, your keynote speaker who happens to be related to Joe Cooper. Um, oh. Joe Cooper's brother. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, all is incestuous, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> is the uh, Secretary of State uh, for uh, Maine, uh, Matthew Dunlap. And he asked an interesting question, Joe. Would you just remind us about that? I think he was, uh, because he deals with, uh, um, oversees the Department of Motor Vehicles, deals with a lot of individuals who are either not allowed to drive anymore, have their licenses taken away. And he posed the question, is uh, individual transportation a right um, do or is it a privilege that we really need to be thinking about? And I think that is um, something that we as communities need to think about more and as individuals to be able to... Um, friends in actions based on a whole model of sharing resources that 
um, between organizations and individuals sharing their transportation resources. Uh, we have almost 200 volunteers, but it's honestly really a drop in the bucket when you look at the need that's out there. And I think individuals need to think differently about um, what they are, what their right is to be able to do, go anywhere whenever they feel like going and or as an individual car owner, um, what are your responsibilities um, to your neighbors and your community and the planet? What, what inspires some of your 200 volunteers? Why do you think they, they um, give up some of their time? And, and in this case, they, they give up um, personal um, savings because they're not being reimbursed. for No, no, they're our major donor. Um, I, I would say that it, quite often it's their own individual family experience. Um, they may have had an older family member that in a that they're not able to assist that lives in another state. We're we're assisting a lot of people who are quite separated from their families. Families are so dispersed, and as well as families that don't live that far away from each other, but their employment prevents them from being able to take. Um, an older family member to every appointment, what Michael describes with cancer treatments, um, any that can affect anyone's life in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And it completely can be a major challenge to a whole family system. So some people have had those experiences or have known someone and that's mm. what inspires them so you're you're one of the um, uh, kind of service providers and as a model um, why don't you describe how it works and and we can then talk about who else is doing this I know there's some folks in Bucksport there are folks elsewhere who are doing this this kind of um, kind of volunteer based uh, model but how does it work how does how does someone who needs a ride how do they find out about getting a ride they, um, we have uh, contact information that can be um, at- obtained through uh, healthcare providers. Um, if someone were to say to uh, had a cancer diagnosis and were concerned about transportation, often we'll get a referral that way. Um, basic things for managing a volunteer transportation. Um, organization are to have a very simple and easy contact and reliable that you can reach someone and you can ask questions and you can um, arrange the ride and that um, the organization uh, is very clear with their volunteers uh, in matching them. What happens is an individual will call about a ride. We request that we have some lead time on that depending on the distance. Um, The more distance, the more lead time it really does take. Um, And that we then, um, we have all of our volunteer lists. We know who's available when. We have some volunteers who are available certain days of the week, times of the day. Um, They may be limited to certain towns. They wanna help people in their own town. They might wanna help um, someone with a cancer situation or they might want to help someone get to a um, dialysis or to a day program if they have had a family member with Alzheimer's. So we look at all of those criteria and we then start asking. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are really the go-between to do that asking for people um, so that uh, the volunteer can feel comfortable saying no, um, it's not the right time. And um, the individual can feel independent that they've made their request and they can do it themselves and then we match them together. Well, that's great. And um, so how many rides in, in, a, in a week or a month do you 
We tend actually to provide. we do quite a lot, but compared to bigger systems, it's it's minor. But we usually are arranging between thirty trips to more a day. Um, we do about um, we travel over fifty thousand miles in a year, and um, have uh, and our volunteers have helped have traveled and helped with over five thousand trips. Wow. Wow. Elsie, mm. uh, who are some of the other um, uh, folks who provide similar kind of models, um, different sizes perhaps, but um, give us a, a sense of who does this throughout the Hancock and Washington County region? Absolutely. So uh, Friends in Action works across Hancock County. Uh, and in addition, we have the CARE organization, which stands for Community Action Resource Exchange. Uh, they work in partnership with the Bucksport Bay Healthy Communities in Bucksport, uh, and they are um, all volunteer uh, drivers and coordinators uh, who work to uh, help folks with rides in that region. Uh, and then there is also Island Connections that Michael referred to earlier, which uh, is based on Mount Desert Island uh, and provides, uh, in similarly to Friends in Action, focuses on uh, support for elderly uh, community members and, and or disabled residents uh, throughout Mount Desert Island. Uh, so they uh, provide transportation, again, to medical appointments as well as other, uh, the grocery store errands or other, uh, other appointments. Washington Hancock Community Agency uh, is, a, uh, is an agency that provides a lot of different services uh, and a number of different transportation type services, some that mirror more closely public transportation and, and others that mirror more closely the, uh, the volunteer driver system. Uh, and so they work in Hancock and Washington counties uh, providing uh, some of that. And uh, all of the organizations, I think, work well. I know they work very well together. They communicate very closely together. Uh, because often one organization is has restrictions where another organization can help and, and vice versa. So they uh, work together to really try to figure out how to best meet the community members' needs. Uh, and, uh, so, and then there are a number of bus systems, West Transportation, uh, based in Washington County uh, and serving routes that include to Bangor and, and elsewhere through Hancock County and then Downey's Transportation based in Hancock County providing uh, routes in Hancock County as well as from Washington County. Uh, so those are a number of organizations. There's uh, a few very local volunteer groups that are just getting started uh, in, a, in a few different communities uh, and and the, and what we are finding is that there's a, quite a bit of interest in communities across Hancock and Washington counties to build those organizations. And so we're hopeful that through the summit and through the other work that we're doing uh, as a team, we can help provide support to communities uh, who are interested in building a structure of volunteer driving systems to help out their neighbors uh, and their communities. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move us into a, a short break, um, but Jim, you have a, a short comment first. Well, I just say it, it's a lot to get through a list like this on the radio, and I wouldn't expect listeners to remember it. I would encourage you to go to Healthy Acadia's website, healthyacadia.org, or ours, uh, hcpcme.org, where you'll find uh, a brochure, access to a brochure that lists these resources with phone numbers, websites, because some of them are what we call fixed route. They run on a schedule, and it's good to know the schedule because if you're going to write it, you have to know where to get it and when. Others are called a demand response where you can call. Sometimes you have to call a couple days in advance, but you have to call, and they'll come to your door and take you somewhere if you fit in the right category. 
Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of volunteer driver network stuff, which is demand response also, where you have to call and ask. Uh, but it's good to go online or or call these organizations that we've mentioned, like Healthy Acadia, where you can get this stuff written down. You won't have to write it down right now. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for that reminder. And Michael Reisman. I, I just want to put a plug in for our friends in action. I, I'm always worried that Joe Cooper's not doing enough. Uh, but if <laughs> that's uh, if you call Friends in Action, and the phone number is six six four six zero one six. If you if you if you don't have access to the website, a website, Joe is uh, they've got expertise that's been acquired over over 10 years and they and and she and the staff they really do know a lot of as much as i think any other organization whca is another one that certainly has expertise yeah. but uh that you get a friendly voice when you call uh friends in action great uh, well, well i we just have, we I, have another number you can call right now <laughs> Jim is, is referring to our pledge drive, but I just remind li- <laughs> listeners that they're, they're tuned to Talk of the Towns, and we're talking about strengthening community transportation. We have some wonderful guests in the studio who can help us with that topic. Jim Fisher, Hancock County Planning Commission, Joe Cooper, Friends in Action, Michael Reisman, Beth C. Wright Cancer Resource Center, based in Ellsworth, but serving Hancock and Washington counties, and Elsie Flemings of Healthy Acadia. And now I'd like to, to urge you to think about uh, pledging this wonderful uh, radio station, one 800 643 6273 on public affairs programs. We don't often um, have a chance to, to uh, encourage people to call, but we're doing that now. Um, your support is really important. And perhaps I could ask um, each of you, how, how do you make use of WERU? Um, Jim, you're a host. <laughs> I abuse it myself. <laughs> how do you I, make use of WERU? Oh, I think WERU is a great resource. Uh, it's the only radio station in in Maine that provides this kind of extended discussion format where we deal with local issues and get neighbors calling in, figuring out how to solve issues that affect us here in Maine. And so I have Common Health, which is a, a program I do specifically about health issues. But I also host Gracias a la Vida, which I think is a a great Latin American music program, and I think it's it recognizes that we're gradually catching up with the country and, and having some ethnic diversity, and we're recognizing the wonderful, wonderful music from other parts of the world, and only WERU does that. Right. And I, I, I am so pleased that when I moved here, I discovered community radio. Well, we would really appreciate your support this morning. 1-800-643-6273. How, uh, to the rest of you, are, are you listeners? Are you members? How do you make use of WERU? Joe, Joe Cooper? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's, one of, it's like a fresh breath of air on the radio dial for me. Mm, mm. <laughs> I love all the diversity of music and these kinds of programs, definitely. Mm. Wonderful resource. Elsie, how do you make use of WERU? Uh, similarly, it's just a wonderful radio uh, uh, radio station and and between the music that Jim alluded to and the and the programming uh, the the informational programming it's just it's incredibly invaluable and I've been fortunate to be uh, invited on to share what Healthy Acadia has to offer in a variety of different contexts through other radio shows so really uh, having that opportunity for community organizations such as all of ours uh, as well as individuals who are working on issues to be able to share that whether it's calling into a radio show or coming on like we are doing today uh, to really be able to share and connect and network uh, I think that provides an incredible opportunity for us 
us as community members to learn what each other are doing uh, and to get involved uh, and to help uh, make our communities a better place. I'll, I'll put in another plug, too. I, I don't call 1-800-643-6273 because I'm what I guess you might call an evergreen partner. I, I have $10 taken out every month automatically from my checking account. Then I don't have to worry about it, and I feel very comfortable with that level of giving. In fact, I may increase it. But you can call 1-800-643-6273 with your pledge right now. Or go online at weru.org. You've done this before, Jim. Uh, Michael, <laughs> Michael, how do you make use of WERU? I probably need to make use of it more, but it's interesting. One of the first people we I met, one of the first people who came to the Beth Wright Center actually had a show on WERU. Mm. So he was had just been diagnosed with cancer and was going through treatment. And, you know, this show that he had been doing previously was something that he loved very much. And he was this, the ability that there was this, uh, a, a radio station that allowed community members to have that opportunity to, to do a, a, a show uh, was very meaningful to him. And, and it, it helped him. He was able to do it even during his cancer treatment. So I think, uh, Sometimes uh, that was my, my uh, a really intimate look I had at the value of, of WHR. That's great. So last time to, um, in, the, in this hour, I think, that we'll mention the pledge drive, 1-800-643-6273. Give us a call, and, and our phone answers would really appreciate your support. So let's let's move on with our topic of uh, uh, rural or community transportation. Elsie Flemings from Healthy Acadia, Michael Reisman of the Beth Wright Center, Joe Cooper, Friends of Action, Friends in Action, and Jim Fisher, Hancock County Planning Commission. Uh, we've been talking about a summit that was uh, recently convened in in Hancock and Washington counties to talk about the issue, and we invite your calls as well. Perhaps you've got a solution that you'd like to suggest. Or perhaps um, you've got some experience with um, trying to access uh, health care or other services through um, some of these forms of transportation we've been talking about. So this is not the, uh, the pledge number. This is the studio number, one 625 9378 if you'd like to participate in this morning's Talk of the Towns. So... Um, the afternoon was devoted to um, some innovative ideas, and we have a phone call. Let's go ahead and take that phone call first, and then we'll come back to talk about some more of the summit. But if you'd give us your first name and where you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Good morning. This is Joe in Tremont. A hundred years ago, before billions of automobiles had been built, the state of Maine was crisscrossed with light rail that provided passenger and freight transportation to rural areas. Graded embankments can still be seen following state routes everywhere, and bridge piers remain in waterways around the state. General Motors and Firestone may be thanked for dismantling the nation's light rail systems to promote automobile use. As private automobiles become increasingly expensive to operate, restoring light rail service will appear increasingly attractive. Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting community radio. Oh, thanks, Joe. Thanks for calling this morning. That um, Joe reached us at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Certainly, we've had um, lots of different transportation. One of the speakers at the summit mentioned um, water as a way to um, connect each other. Um, that that was the way that people got up and down the coast um, in in years past. So we've we've had experiments with public transportation, and um, as uh, our caller said, um, there have been lots of ways in which um, um, the the automo- 
automobile manufacturers and the oil companies have have uh, helped um, focus us on our individual automobiles to the exclusion of some of these public alternatives. But um, Jim is our transportation planner. Maybe he's got some comments about <laughs> well, I, that. Yeah, I hate to say I kind of start let off with the cats out of the bag. We've built up communities around the car now, and so we're, we're, we've got Friends in Action. We've got WHCA and other demand response systems to help us deal with that, at least for the next 30 or 40 years, because it's unlikely we're going to rebuild our our communities to be rail or transit-oriented. But there was a really good project. Uh, Unfortunately, it was scuttled a few years back uh, called um, uh, Gateway One, which was an effort throughout Midcoast Maine to, to... to think of incentives uh, to work with market systems, but incentives to develop transit-oriented communities so that future houses would be built in a way that you could serve them with buses and, and possibly with rail. Uh, the rail is, in a way, the least flexible. You just can't turn left. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you got to stay on those tracks. And, but, but as we redesign our, our communities to, to work within the limitations of the fossil fuel supplies we're going to have, I think rail and, and transit are great solutions. And I, and I appreciate Yo's call. But in the short run, <laughs> which is a long time, uh, we're, we're having a rapidly aging population and a very rural and dispersed land use pattern that we're going to need volunteer drivers. Mm. So what, what, what inspired you about um, some of the ideas that came out of the summit? We're, we're uh, reaching in, towards the end of the hour here. And, and what were some of those in, inspirational ideas that people talked about? Um, do you remember um, any of those? I think of John Archer, for instance, from Goolsboro, who who says, um, you know, maybe we just need to be more neighborly and figure out ways in which our neighbors, when they're going to um, Ellsworth or from Goolsboro, they reach out to each other. What what else inspired you about some of this? Joe Cooper? I um, was impressed with some of the ideas of um, utilizing technology that already exists in a really low-cost way. Um, One of the things that... um, I wanted to respond to Joe's call about was that we really do need to think too about what our financial investment is. The thing about a community program is that you can keep your costs really low if people work together. Simple idea. Um, And some of those ideas, the group I was in had a real diverse um, participation, you know, state people who worked in huge programs, all the way to people who were working in Hancock County, just doing a local farm co-op kind of an idea, using Facebook maybe to just share, here's a request, how could, can anybody help with this, maybe between groups, um, either community groups or with other um, organizations just to get requests out there and shared. So I, I think of, of when I use Facebook, I one of the sites that I um, find useful sometimes is Bar Harbor Barter and Swap. And I right. know there's a number of these kinds of things. That's a network of people who are already kind of keyed into their local neighborhoods. And maybe that's a way to kind of advertise the need for Same transportation. Right? Yep. Right. yep. Have a transportation barter and exchange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the idea some people have talked about like a time bank kind of thing. How can you give back Mm. Um, if you don't have a car? Maybe there's something you could do to help someone else. What were some of the other ideas that that struck you that that you might work on, um, Michael, Elsie, Jim, Michael? Well, I I think the the big one of the big things that I uh, my concerns is is coordinating what's existing. Mm. I mean, so there's a lot. There's a 
one example, a local high school has had to give up its after late bus. Uh, there's also happens that uh, a public transportation provider goes by that high school at the same time as the late bus normally went. So just getting those two organizations in touch with each other and having, uh, you know, this is what some of the volunteer driving organizations or, you know, agencies could do. And, and at, at a short-term fix is get these two resources together. And, and there are a lot of examples of that, I think. that So, you know, there's a, there, I think there's a lot of transportation going around it's uh, most of it is private but so coordinating it and again it's talking about if you could get three or four people in a car at a time one of the when a lot of times when people telling me they're going they i have friends who tell me they're driving to bangor i start asking them what time and what are they doing and i and i'm thinking maybe there might be a person who needs uh to get to brewer for a cancer treatment so um I think the, the, I think there are many different ways that we need to approach this, and I think it's great when everybody goes out and, and starts approaching it in their way, and then if we can coordinate it, I think that's the value. Let's take a, a phone call. Um, if you'd give us your first name and where you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. This is Susan in Northport. Um, somebody mentioned something that just um, revived a memory in my mind. Uh, I lived in a community uh, where the they had a really great public bus system, and that was what the kids used for their school buses. They had um, passes that let them onto the public buses, and I'm just wondering if we couldn't think about doing that as something in reverse, that the, the uh, school buses all travel to a central point, the schools, would it be possible at some time for uh, people along the school bus route to uh, get on that bus and then have, during the school hours, have those buses available to go from the schools to some other central point, to the hospital or downtown or, or whatever? But we've already got the buses and we've already got bus routes in place. And how could we expand that use? That's great. Susan, thank you so much for your call. And that was um, reflected in the conference. Elsa, do you remember the, 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 that conversation? Um, what was that, that conversation? It was really about we've got assets to use in our community. How can we rethink those? Now, we may not be able to do it overnight, but we may be able to rethink them. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And thank you for the call, Susan. And yes, that, that did come up. Uh, and we discussed the idea, the both both uh, facets of what you mentioned. So are there areas where there is public transportation, where uh, students can ride that public transportation uh, for school? And would that, would that be a benefit? Uh, and then on the flip side, are there cases where uh, we could figure out a system where school buses can be used? And there are challenges to that, uh, thinking about uh, uh, the liability and what, where, you know, so the requirements around school bus use and, and the spacing of the school bus seats that are sometimes a little bit more geared towards children. Uh, but on the other hand, it's, it's something that is, I think, very much worth pursuing and considering uh, and sort of thinking about that in a broader context. Uh, one of the participants, uh, Rosemary Winslow from the Kennebec region, shared her work uh, in that region. Uh, interestingly, they, they really wanted to tackle transportation increase uh, some public transportation options so they looked at uh, 
the Mount Desert Island region and the Island Explorer and what was working well there, they then took that and looked at their community and said, what kinds of systems can we create? And they brought businesses together in towns and other folks uh, and really started to look at uh, how they could increase and improve transportation. And and I, one of the things that she talked about that uh, I think was really insightful was that when you're thinking about these issues, you want to think about what are the problems, bringing stakeholders together and think about what are the problems that those stakeholders want to solve. And then from that, figuring out how you use existing resources, potential resources, people's energy uh, and, and passions and figure out then how to build improve transportation systems around that and it it can and so keeping that mix in the you know keeping all of that in the mix about you know the school buses and the public transportation all of the things that we might not otherwise think of and then and then really thinking about how we can use that in an innovative way to solve our problems is is very exciting uh, and so thank you for the call and those are those are the ty- types of things I think we'll we'll be tackling uh, as we move forward we have another, another call but Michael first just one thing is it Susan? I think call your school board and bring that up. I really think that uh, that's that would be a, that. I think that's a, what we one of our challenges is to remove barriers that have been set up by us even right. uh, to transportation. So I th- call your school board. Great. Tell well, Michael l- sent you. <laughs> <laughs> let's take another call. If you'd give us your first name and where you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment. Hi, yo again. Here's another kooky idea for transportation to rural areas. How about creating a program for trusted hitchhikers? Thanks again. Great, great. Trusted hitch- hitchhiking systems. And that was another one that was brought up at, the, at the, uh, the summit. There's a woman at the University of Kansas who's trying to start some type of, of trusted hitchhiker system whereby you could identify somebody who's been vetted, who's hitchhiking, and also that person would recognize a, a car that's been vetted. So, yeah, I think that's a... An interesting idea. Jim? I'm probably a fool. I trust them all. (laughs) I always pick up hitchhikers. Uh, I wanted to mention, though, I'm on the board of directors for Downey's Transportation, and we already do have a community bus system that is taking kids to the Bay School in Blue Hill. So it it really has afforded both groups the, the sort of advantages you're talking about, where we've got a bus that can run all the way with a reliable number of riders, which means the bus is profitable. The kids have to pay. It's not a free school bus, but once the bus is in Blue Hill, it's free to do other trips there, pick up other paying passengers uh, from Blue Hill to Stonington or to Bangor and other Bucksport, other destinations. And the idea of taking a school bus and community bus system and putting them together makes tremendous sense. Among other things, a bus driving job is not a, a school bus driver is stuck with what's called a split shift. They drive in the morning, then they've got the middle of the day with nothing, and then they drive in the afternoon. Well, what better use of their time than have them deliver, helping elderly people go to shopping or to medical appointments or other kinds of services like that and helping to integrate our, our rural communities? But there are a lot of administrative boundaries about using school buses for anything but school and it's going to take as michael said some local lobbying to break down those barriers when, when it, whenever i visit a local high school um, these days and if i get there either at um you know seven fifteen in the morning or um towards the end of the school day i'm astounded at the number of automobiles there are and they're not just student drivers there are parent drivers dropping people off now when we worked on mdi tomorrow um, a number of years ago we found that by asking those students what do you want 
They wanted the option of, of an Island Explorer. They said the yellow school buses aren't cool. Island Explorer buses are cool. If we had those, we'd ride them. We'd leave our cars at home. So, again, I think if we ask kids what, what they want, we might be able to, to change that. Joe Cooper? Uh, in our town, I'm one of those high school drivers' parents who drive their children to school because of the last mile. Hmm. The bus actually picks up at the town hall, but we live five miles away from the town hall. So there's always still that integration of different systems that you need to coordinate, like Michael was re- Michael was referring to about the bus that could be then take children to a location where then volunteer parent volunteers might meet it. I think that you need to coordinate that last mile. In our rural area with all, lots of peninsulas and people living far out on roads, we've got to think pretty creatively. One one possibility, we could paint school buses with the Eye of the Explorer logo <laughs> on it. <laughs> L.L. Bean would love that, I'm sure. Um, and, and then there's the, the notion of that, again, that uh, um, bicycles may be one of the solutions at least part of the year Put for that last mile. For that last mile, right. Elsie, what else came out um, from you? I I think that the the real genius of the summit is getting people together Mm -hmm. who have a passion for the the concepts and are willing then to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Yes, and and, and it's very exciting to be moving forward on these issues. I also wanted to, just going back to Yo's two two comments um, in the phone calls, I think it's a great example of what I saw and took away from the summit, that there are really, really big planning discussions and thinking going on as he alluded to in the first conversation about light rail which is obviously millions and millions and millions of dollars of investment and and a lot of time and planning all the way to something like a trusted hitchhiker system or a smaller community-based solution that maybe doesn't take as many certainly not not nearly the kind of financial resources uh and you know and 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 maybe a little more short term in terms of planning and that's something that i think came up throughout the day and that all of everything in between and the two extremes are all important to think about um going back to our keynote speaker secretary of state matthew dunlap he talked about really thinking about what are our goals and what do we want to see in 50 years and in 100 years and and recognizing that that's a challenge because technology changes quickly, our communities change quickly. It's hard to imagine exactly what the opportunities and resources will be 50 years from now, but we can still think about what we want to see in a community. What, you know, is it think the questions around does everybody have a right to get to get around, at least to be able to get to where they need to go and and where and what what do we think we want to see in terms of how we make that happen? Uh, and so that's sort of the big picture thinking. And, and that, you know, at that point, we bring in conversations about rail or other really big investments in planning. And at the same time, these challenges, as everybody has talked about, are so present and so critical for so many of our community members today. And so thinking about what we can do today, whether that's 10 people in a community getting together, sharing their phone numbers and saying, I'll let you know when I go to Ellsworth so I can pick up, you know, some groceries for you and and figuring out that at a very, very local scale to, you know, a little bit broader with the volunteer drivers systems. Uh, And so there's, there's just a lot, a lot to work on. Um, And I think, you know, as a going to the volunteer driver system that that's something that you know right now we can continue to build uh, by connecting as Ron said we had a lot of people connecting with each other so individuals who are interested in building those kinds of systems in their communities now maybe will have a little more uh, a, a little more inspiration and encouragement to talk to Joe at Friends in Action or uh, James and Ramona at CARE and, and, and hear about what they did how they did it right a little more uh, we got we got the 
the overall picture at the summit, but to be able to then use each other as resources to figure out how to develop uh, similar systems and and, imp- and increase the benefit and impact of, of what's going on. Michael Reisman? One thing I really think that uh, to solve our transportation issue is going to take total community involvement. Everybody, it's, it's because there's no, it's not a mass transit answer as a rule, and that, that can be a part of it, so that it's something that, Everybody has to be a part of the of the sol- of the solution. Well, and, and, and Jim's um, statistics at the beginning of the show were, were really st- startling. If if people who are now um, able to drive um, haven't thought about what happens. They ought to start thinking of it. They ought to be involved in creating the solutions that will work for them um, rather than waiting until they have to deal with the Secretary of State who says, maybe this is time for you to give up your license, <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, again, maybe there's a way to reach out to those um, folks who are now in their 60s, late 60s, thinking about their next 15 years. I think that was, for me, the exciting thing about the transportation conferences, getting people together uh, and, and, and then to build on that just, you know, creating forums or, or having individuals starting uh, programs where more and more people can get involved. So um, one minute apiece, um, go around. What are your hopes for the future? What, what, what do you really want to be happening? If we could come back in 10 years, what would you like to see kind of on the ground? Uh, Joe Cooper first. I would love to see every, um, every neighborhood and community working together to help its, help its members to be able to get to where they need to go. Great. Less than one minute. Jim? Well, I hope that we're, we're thinking seriously about how we design our future community so that we don't depend on private automobiles. Michael Reisman? I think that we work together and, and we have big, big solutions and a lot of little solutions. And Elsie Flemings? Similarly, that we just continue to work together and build the solutions and, and build a community that we really want to see for ourselves and our children and our grandchildren. Well, thanks so much to all of you. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio, Elsie Flemings of Healthy Acadia, Michael Reisman of the Beth C. Wright Cancer Resource Center, Joe Cooper of Friends in Action, and Jim Fisher, Hancock County Planning Commission. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to those who listened and called in with your questions and good ideas. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Good morning.